Welcome to today's show. We want to thank all our listeners around the world for choosing the Around the Turntable podcast to make your day a little more fun today. The rules for our game are as follows. Each episode, we will go around the room and everyone gets to choose a single song that fits our category of the week. The categories are themed towards this week's guest artist or chosen by you, the listeners of the podcast. If you want to submit a category idea, just give us a follow on TikTok and Instagram at at around the turd table and send us your idea. This week's category is drum roll, please. <laughs> the greatest ever track one side one. Okay, so now when we say the greatest ever, we mean the greatest ever, not your favorite, but <laughs> the greatest ever. And I mean, I guess we can all admit that there's like a high degree of subjectivity to this one, right? I mean, sure. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. We are we are definitely um, like choosing between children. I mean, I definitely found that <laughs> Sophie's when, choice. <laughs> yeah, I mean this was this was pretty brutal. Um, to have to come up with like the greatest ever because I'm sitting here going like, man, I could go with like pretty much any, any Zeppelin album opener. Right. I could go with, you know, Nirvana. I could go with, um, Oh, my girlfriend mentioned this one when I was trying to come up with it. She mentioned, um, more than a feeling by Boston. I forgot about that. Yeah, um, and so, actually, I'm going to check that fact. Was that an album opener? Because I thought that album opened with something else. Yeah, you know? it is more than a feeling. Yeah, because wow. wow. I was thinking yeah, foreplay. A... Yeah, I mean, what an album opener, right? I mean, that really is like one of the greatest songs of all time. But... Definitely. definitely. <laughs> but my choice for the greatest song the greatest album opener of all time will not be outdone by more than a feeling or despite how much I love Led Zeppelin, any of the Led Zeppelin songs, because when I thought about my criteria, I was thinking about, I was thinking about hit factor, you know, I wanted, I want this to be some song that like everybody knows. And on top of that, I want it to be an unimpeachable selection. I want there to be no one out there who could possibly say this song does not slap. <laughs> I mean, wow. so I'll, I'll take that on. Okay. Okay. So I, in fact, I dare, I dare anyone out there to tell me that this album opener is not one of the just absolute bangingest songs of all time. And it is Respect by Aretha Franklin. Damn. Oh. Man, oh man, what a good one. Holy crap. Isn't it? Yeah. 
I didn't realize, realize that was the uh, the opener on uh, "I Never Loved a Man." That, in fact, is the that, album opener. And how do you get better than that? And I'm looking forward to seeing how you guys do it. Um, but you know, I've done enough talking for now, so we are going to move on, and we are going to hear Aretha Franklin "Respect." Welcome back. What you just heard was Aretha Franklin's 1967 hit, Respect, off of the album I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You. All right. What for you, man? Well, Will, why don't, why don't you take, why don't you give us your, your react? I mean, man, that, uh, that's such a good song. I think it's, uh, it's a really familiar song. A lot of people are familiar with that song and, you know, it's, it's kind of permeated pop culture and, you know, one of the greatest soul songs of all time, uh, objectively, I think one could argue. And that's what, I mean, what a good choice for a, like a side one track one of an album. I mean, that's like one of those songs that you put that record on. And as soon as the needle, is in the groove and that music is coming out of the speakers, no matter what environment you're in, uh, that room, uh, is going to be filled up with life and, and soul and groove and love and dancing. I mean, it's one of those songs that just, that just permeates, you know, the air it's the air it's taking up, you know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. It, it's got a gravitas about it that just pulls people in. And I don't, I think uh, you need to go get checked by the doctor. If that song doesn't make you want to like move your, you know, tap your foot or move your hips or make you snap or, you know, give you a little stank face because of that sick groove, you know, I mean, just uh, one of the greats and like listening to it in this context again, just like one of those songs that never gets old. I mean, that's oh, yeah. my take. My you take. Make, you just, mentioned the um, groove. You mentioned the groove of Roger Hawkins on the drums, right? Like, yeah. you know, like that guy was just like one of the masters of laying down grooves, right? Um, and uh, and a big uh, piece of that groove is, uh, you know, obviously you had the Swampers from uh, Fame Studios and Muscle Shoals, uh, you know, recording on a lot of that stuff in this album. And uh, the guitar, too, like the, the guitar really doesn't do anything super melodic or actually play chords or anything until I think maybe like later in the song. But most of the time, uh, it sounds like Jimmy Johnson is just like thwacking like a palm you going cha, 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 on the guitar. And it's just emphasizing the groove like he's just using the guitar as a percussive instrument. And uh, that's just like a really critical element, I think. Oh yeah, well. definitely, definitely makes that sound. Jacob, what 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 do you think, man? 
and it's a perfect song, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, and the, the great thing about it is that, I mean, it's, it's a bold move to put a song like that at the top of your record. And it's a, it's a good, make, it's, good it's, it's, it's a cover song, right? Yeah. Otis Redding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is something uh, I forgot to mention. Yeah, that's a cover song too. Um, and, uh, you know, Otis a, Redding did the original, right? Yeah, and what a transformation from Otis's, uh, you know, sort of a uh, ballad uh, to yeah. what Aretha brought to it, and the the, the production uh, that was brought to it by the musicians on it, and it's just, uh, it's you know. It's incredible. And I feel like for me, you know, uh, that song is of such, it, it, the, the 1967 is definitely still like the moment of the single. And and I always think of that song as a single rather than in the context of, a, of an amazing record. That's a good uh, point. So, you know, it's 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 wild to see it as, uh, as a side one track one. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a very good choice. Yeah, oh, that ups, thank, that thank you, man. <laughs> yeah, good, good choice, Alex. Good choice. That's a great uh, observation. That like I do, I I very much agree. I almost think of that song in single context. And when you brought when you mentioned it, Alex, and then I put it on, and I'm looking at the co- the cover artwork on Spotify, and I'm just like, man, yeah, what a way to start a record, a cover, you know, and just like it's just kind of like you're right in it and uh but, it, really, but it's not just it's any so cover though it's like a no. cover that she took and then just like completely like made everyone forget that the otis yeah. redding version ever existed yeah. <laughs> like yeah. she, she all, took that and made her her song like <laughs> that's that's oh, yeah, yeah. Otis, otis has said that the definitive version of the song is a reason like <laughs> it's you, you know I, I might, I honestly, uh, as another uh, category or just like as a, a fact, I think I, I would vote that I think possibly the best cover of a song of all time. I think definitely at least it's up there. That's got to be, um, you know, we'll, we'll, oh, yeah. we'll definitely have to pocket that one for another category <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, so, okay, let's, um, let's go on to Jacob. Um, and let's hear what Jacob brought to the table for the greatest track one, side one of all time. What you yeah, got? Uh, so, you know, as I was thinking about this, and, and like Alex said, it's just like, wow, what a challenge. Uh, I, I made myself some criteria as I started to think through this. And what I came up with is one, you know, a great track one has got to capture the listener's attention and push them into the record, right? And it's got to give you something that lets you, it tells you something about the record. It's like the aperitif, right? Like a little something to get your get you ready for the rest of what's coming, especially when you're talking about like a full album experience. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing that really jumped out at me is like if I'm listening to a record and it's on repeat, and it comes back around and I hear that first tune again, it's drawing me back in again. And it's like so powerful that I'm listening to the record a second time or a third time. Yeah. Uh, and so my choice is definitely one that I felt like hits all those, like it, it, it sets the mood for the record, especially because this record is like a record where uh, this band pivots and, and you know takes something that was already like totally working and changes it and also makes it totally work. 
uh, and it really sets you up for the record. Uh, and when it comes back around, when you hear those first notes of it, you're just like sucked in. Uh, yeah. So my pick is everything in its right place oh. today by Radio. <laughs> Oh, Dude, when, man. when you said when you said a band that had something working and changed, I was like, <laughs> could, he, could it be? Could it be? That, that, uh, nice choice, man. Nice choice. I love the song. You know, I have to admit when because as we've said, there are a lot of great, great choices for this one. Right. Um, I genuinely considered that one, actually, um, because I was like, man. You know, Kid A, what a what a record that was, and um, yeah, no, it was it was on, <laughs> it was definitely in the conversation for me as well. So uh, yeah, I love that. Um, so yeah, let's get to it. Uh, here is um, one of yeah, an amazing song, "Everything in Its Right Place" by Radiohead. Welcome back. That that you just heard was Everything in Its Right Place by Radiohead off of the album Kid A, released in 2000. So, Will, I know you're probably the biggest Radiohead fan of this entire group. So, why don't you take the first react here? Oh, man. I mean, just... Such a good song, and uh, Jacob, I love that you picked this one, because, uh, yeah, I mean, just, you know, again, it just really, really just sets the stage um, for what's to come for that record, because um, all the Radiohead fans that went out and got that uh, album, or maybe CD, you know, at the considering the 2000s, everyone was going out and buying the CDs, and they uh they put that on and i'm sure it disappointed a lot of fans who were used to their more kind of you know alternative noisier rock and you know just the just such a vibe change uh to just break down to this very ambient dark sounding like electric piano and synthesizers and all the like the little uh bleep bloop like vocals that are all like Mm -hmm. cut up and reversed and phased and all that. I mean, just uh, really awesome composition and uh, just such a, such a vibe, you know, uh, just such a vibe. And um, yeah, that's uh, is definitely one of the greats, great album openers uh, of all time for sure. And it was great listening to that again. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess I'll I'll piggyback kind of off of what Will said, which is talking about this transition, right, for Radiohead. And um, was this after – this was after OK Computer, right, Will? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you're coming off of, like, OK Computer. You've got this major hit in Karma Police, and – you know, you've kind of got, you've kind of set yourself up as this like kind of alt rock, 
post Brit pop band. Um, but what I thought was so was so cool about Kid A, right, is they changed their sound, but they didn't do it in a way that I think most artists do it, where they do it for like convenience, artistic convenience, or because it's commercially, you know, the right move. You know, it's like, sure. okay, our sound is going the way of the Buffalo. We've now got to move on and we've got to find this new artistic territory for ourselves. Radiohead, they did that in a way that was like boundary pushing. They weren't just yeah. going towards something that was commercial and comfortable. They were doing the opposite. They were saying, yeah. oh, yeah, we're, we've, we've, we're not going to piggyback of, off of our success. We're going to go as far into the deep end as we can. And we're going to completely, you know, throw out our playbook. And, yeah, um, they, they weren't trying to make OK Computer 2, you know. Right. Exactly. And I think that right there, like, why, why I wanted to point that out is because I think from an industry perspective, I think that's what's given Radiohead such strong staying power, is that yeah. they, they don't just sit in one territory and exploit that until the trend is over. Yeah, they really continue to try to evolve, but but in a boundary pushing way. Yeah, they're ahead of their time. A lot of uh, oftentimes they they put the when they put out that, you know, they're they kind of set a precedent that I feel like you could trace some of its uh, influence from the following years of music, you know, to some of the stuff that they were doing and. I, I love like, you know, as a huge Radiohead fan, I've watched and listened to and read press materials and interviews from all like almost most of their career. And uh, Ed O'Brien, the one of the guitarists, talks about the imagine your Radiohead and you finish your record. You've got Kid A, you've got everything in its right place and you go and meet with the record heads and label in a meeting and sit down and play what you've got and there's no guitars and you don't get to hear a guitar in the album until like track like four or something and he just talks about how they were all like sweating and like they're like oh my god guys what is this and you know and they're just like this is what it is just you know this is you know what we do and uh of course you know now it's uh it's critical and uh, commercial acclaim is uh, self-evident, but you know, man, yeah. just like what, what a big step for them in that song. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to piggyback off of something you said, and then I'm going to give it back to Jacob. Cause I feel like we've been talking about his song more than he got to, <laughs> um, but you know, what you said about the labels Thing was really interesting because actually um, I was reading this piece of reporting. It was way back when I read this. This was like probably 2004. And they were talking about how basically when Coldplay was coming out, they were on the same label, I think, as Radiohead. And like, so what was happening was like, basically the label was like not going to release Coldplay if Kid A was not a smash success. And they were like, and Coldplay was like sweating it, I guess, because they were like, dang, this Kid A is like this really experimental record. We don't know how it's going to go over with people. And the label's not going to put us out if Radiohead doesn't work out. And like, um, so 
uh, I guess all that to say that if you are listening and you don't like Coldplay, you can blame Kid A. <laughs> so Jacob, back to you, man, and then we'll uh, we'll move on and let Will give us his selection. Yeah, I mean, you know, as I was looking at this, uh, I kind of looked back at the first three records, uh, the first three full links from Radiohead, and as Will pointed out, you know, Kid A is um, not guitar dense, and those first records, I looked at the first songs on like Pablo Honey. Uh, where you get like big guitars and these big rock moments. And then on the bins with Planet Telex, it opens up with this sort of echo feedback. So you're, yeah. uh, you're, you're, you're letting it roll. And, and then it comes in, you get the keys and drums uh, and a, a big sounding record overall. And then OK Computer, 97, Airbag. Uh, yeah. Like, you know. Fuzzy guitar. Of, yeah, just incredible guitar and drums. And those are all like, you know, even at the time they were pushing the envelope for what a rock record was and, and what the definition of a rock record is, uh, but they were rock records. And, yeah. um, you know, the, the, the change in Kid A and the choice to put something like everything in its right place uh, in that leading spot, I felt like was, you know, really notable. Um, yeah. Especially, you know, talking about the change uh, in the band and their approach, um, you know, they were coming off this like massive touring cycle uh, from making OK Computer. Uh, I mean, which obviously yeah. perfect record, no notes, OK Computer, 100%. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, great. And, and then they did it again with Kid A uh, and in a very, just like in a completely different way. Um, and so yeah. I'm going to do a quick shout out to my favorite podcast right now that I'm totally obsessed with. It's called Band Splain. Uh, oh, nice. Cassie Salik is the host, and uh, a couple months ago they did a two-episode run of the career of Radiohead. Uh, it's about eight hours worth of podcasts in two episodes, but just incredible. Uh, One hundred percent worth checking out if you love. Note to self. Note to self. Bandsplain. Bandsplain. That's cool. Okay, That's, great. It is a cr- truly great name. Uh, truly truly great. great. Um, yeah. All right, Will, you're up, man. Why don't you okay. Why don't you tell us what you brought to the table today? All right, guys. Uh, y'all have really uh, set a good standard here, and um, just uh, respect by Aretha Franklin. Everything in its right place by Radiohead are just excellent songs by excellent artists and. Um, I had originally had a, a certain track in mind that I felt really good about. And then uh, as we started kind of to get the podcast underway, I had a big change of heart and uh, I almost was I, something I'd forgotten about a certain song and a certain album that I was like, now, wait a minute. Now this is something that I feel like is a, an even stronger contender uh um, than the original song I thought about. And uh, the song um, and the artist and the album, you know, piece that I've chosen um, is something that uh, I think if you went back and uh, an album released in 1970, if you went back and looked at a lot of the music that was being released in 69 and 70 and the the songs that were topping the charts, and then you pull out this song that I'm going to, that I've chosen 
uh, talk about a change and a wake up call and just uh, a piece of music that changed music history uh, forever um, and helped uh, pave the way for an entirely new genre of music uh, that we know today as uh, heavy metal, metal music. Uh, my song that I've chosen is uh, War Pigs by Black Sabbath. Yes. <laughs> ah, ah. Yes. Oh, man. So what's funny I is when you, song so when you went in, I was like, is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? <laughs> I, I, yeah. I kind of knew where you were headed. Now, the other thing is, this was about to be my choice, actually. Yeah. <laughs> this is in my top three. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, I, I have to say, just when you're when you're listening to this song, think about the fact that we are coming out of the 60s and flower power and uh, the counterculture and the hippies, so-called like that culture was still very big Woodstock in 69. And, you know, just the the that whole movement and the where the culture was at, like, keep that in mind and then listen to the song and uh, talking about uh, war and destruction and just how like, man, what, what a like, man, like these guys were saying stuff that really needed to be said and no one was really saying it and putting it, putting those words and those messages um, in front of the, you know, balls to the wall, rock and roll, uh, you know, metal that we know. So yeah. All right. Well, with that, we are going to be hearing one of uh, one of the greatest metal songs of all time. This is War Pigs by Black Sabbath. In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, larger! Welcome back to Around the Turntable. The song you just heard was War Pigs slash Luke's Wall. <laughs> from the album Paranoid, uh, released in 1970 by the band Black Sabbath. Legends. Absolute legends. Um, okay, I'm going to take the first react for this one. I've got... All right, so first of all, I, I want to address something Will said in the intro, which was that not a lot of people were doing this kind of um, war protest or talking about these things. Um I want to counter with, you know, uh, Fortunate Son by Clearwater, Creedence Clearwater Revival um, and other protest songs of that era. Now, you may be right when it comes to metal. I don't sure. think there was a lot of protest song, war protest songs going on in metal. But I mean, you know, the protest song was definitely alive and well uh, on the on the subject of war, uh, especially because of the Vietnam um that was about the height of Vietnam. So, um, you know, from a cultural perspective, you know, a little historical context there for people. But 
Um, on to the music. All right. Now, I've got a great anecdote for you guys about this song. I was in Taiwan um, hanging out with my cousin, and um, he's kind of a punk and metal fan. Um, but he had never heard Black Sabbath before. Um, oh, my God. And so I was like, oh, man, this is going to be so cool to get to see uh, somebody get to hear this song for the first time. You know, lucky. (laughs) Um, And so we we got to the end of the song and he just looks at me and like his English isn't great. Um, He just looks at me, he goes, man, war pigs. So good. (laughs) <laughs> you know and that just sums it up like war pigs so good dude like it's it's, yeah. it's such a classic like on every level like um you know i gotta say for me as a drummer you know bill ward and the work that he does on like this song and the rest of this record um yeah. it it really is a huge influence on me like the way his approach to fills how creative he is he loves to just throw it all in, you know, and I definitely, I mean, you've played with me, you know, that is definitely a part of my approach. Um, it's yeah. definitely what I'm known for in rehasher. Um, I like to take chances, you know, and we, and, and we, and, we jammed this song many a times, you and I just yeah. in a, in a room with a, some drums and a guitar, just throwing it down. Yeah, exactly. And like, yeah, that's like, that's definitely something that I took from Bill Ward. Like he's a drummer that's just always taking chances, um, and and throwing in fills and, and and filling the space and being creative, and um, I just love that so much. But like coming back to the the theme of the side one track one, like this album or this song is a statement. You know, <laughs> when you kick off this any any piece of work with this song, you're like hello we mean business um it it is such an a just an announcement of this band and their talent and the level that they reached and i mean there's just such a reason um that it's a classic and with that i'm gonna pass it to jacob yeah i uh i love that we we all have sort of a, a tight connection to this song. It's one that I, in my band, my previous band, Endless Pools, we covered it. Uh, and and it was just so much fun. And I, as a guitar player and singer of that band, I got to be Ozzy and Tony, uh, which is <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, nice. And then even before that, with my drummer from Endless Pools, we had a two-piece for a little bit and we covered it some. Uh, and it was just, man, so much fun. Such an amazing song. I get chills when I hear those opening riffs. Uh, yeah. And here, here started to come in and the, 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 uh, the, the horn going. And it's just, it's incredible. Yeah. That's an awesome pick for definitely a, a powerful track Thanks. one, side one. And, and it's just, it's a song that I love that's near and dear to me. And somehow, yeah. Uh, you know, 50 years later, still super relevant, which is kind of disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> it is. It is actually. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I mean, we, we you know, of course, we, we, we're recording this, you know, uh, June 19th. Uh, the war in uh, Ukraine is definitely uh, going on. And, um, you know, it's uh, 
Yeah, this is sadly a message that uh, is rather evergreen. Yeah. So, but yeah, Will, want to want to pass it back to you and uh, any closing thoughts on War Pigs? Yeah. So uh, I just yeah, some closing thoughts on that. Like, you know, you you had a. Uh, you're, you are right there. There were some uh, some protest songs of that time, and you had the Bob Dylans and the Joan Baezes, and, you know, uh, and uh, even, yeah, CCR had, you know, a couple tunes uh, like that. But oh, I feel like... You can't forget John Fogarty, man. You can't yeah. forget him. <laughs> and one, one of the greatest songwriters of all time, in my opinion. But uh, I feel like, you know, the, the, the music and the atmosphere that, the, that they put behind um their protest songs very different from what black sabbath did and combining this evil uh black masses witches and destruction and there's this you know the kind of the context in which geezer butler uh, another one of the great songwriters uh for those who didn't know uh the bassist um for black sabbath uh geezer butler was the primary lyricist Ozzy would write the would write vocal hooks and come up with the melodies, but Geezer would ultimately maybe take some things Ozzy riffed on when they were jamming, and he would ultimately pen the final lyrics. And uh, just it just those lyrics just still just they they're so haunting and like we said, still relevant. And um, just you know, I think you when people went to go see that band play at the time, I'm sure a lot of them were just like, you know, I wonder if they even realized what they were witnessing. Uh, just how incredible that that piece of music with all the riffs and all the parts and the interplay and just just such a such a just like uh, punch in the face um, that you know sadly is still. Uh, uh, you know, that song has relevance even today. And uh, when I got to see Black Sabbath um, on their one of their final tours uh, in 2013, um, you know, just hearing, uh, you know, thousands of people chant uh, those lyrics alongside you uh, while Ozzy is just, you know, hyping everybody up and the band is killing it was one of the uh, great moments uh, of my life and also a really cool side note to that story when i did see them live and they played that song the crowd actually uh chanted uh the final melody of the song the like everybody was actually kind of oh, dude uh, that must have been awesome yeah, it, it, great, because there's not very many moments that, you know, a crowd chants a melody, and just, I thought that was such a special moment that just to hear everybody just, you know, just like a big war cry, but yeah, man, one of one of the, one of my favorite songs, and I think one of the best uh, album openers of all time, for sure, so. so. Yeah, all yeah, right. This is good. Well, yeah, yeah, and well, hey, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Around the Turntable. Uh, if you like what you heard, please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, hit us up on social media, TikTok and Instagram, at Around the Turntable. Um, send us your choice for the greatest track one side one. We'd love to hear your opinion. Um, so for I've been uh, Alex Klausner from Rehasher. Uh, for Will, 
and Jacob, my co-hosts tonight. Uh, we're signing off. Everybody have a great rest of your day. Yeah, thanks, everyone.